The Athletics Mailroom Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. This week, the Chiefs and Patriots are facing off in a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, a showdown that we cannot wait to talk about here and all week, really. And so that game is in Foxborough, and if you're a Pats fan or if you're a visiting Chiefs fan and you want to get in the door at the lowest price possible in the best seats possible, check out GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Yeah, I'll do that last one again. (laughs) Live from Studio Nowhere, this is the Athletics Mailroom Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Parlapiano. Welcome back to the mailroom. I'm Amy Perlopiano, and this is the Athletics NFL podcast where we take our subscribers' questions and ask them to a different guest each week. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined by longtime ESPN reporter and the current host of Monday Night Countdown. It's Susie Colber. Hi, Susie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're really excited. So I want to get right into this because you were quite popular and we had a lot of subscribers uh, send in some questions to ask you. So we're going to start right now. And and we want to start out with kind of your beginning, uh, getting into the field. So Colin B. asks, Dear Susie, how did you become interested in working in the sports journalism field? Was this your goal from the very beginning or did you start off doing a different kind of journalism or a different kind of industry in general? I think the best way to answer that would say it's just not just from the heart, maybe from the soul, because as far back as I can remember, I just loved sports in general. We always we grew I grew up outside of Philly and my my family's very athletic. Our vacations were it's sports based, you know, athletically based, like a boot camp almost. And we had tickets to all the major teams in town. And it was just a natural thing for me. So I'd say just so fortunate to be one of those people who takes what they're truly just passionate about and loves and then somehow makes that into their career. So I'd say, and it always I say especially important for, for women who have wanted to get into the field is if it's truly your passion and you're willing to work harder than anybody else, and I guess you have to have some talent too. But that's sort of where it started for me, going all the way back to college. I started interning at one of the local TV stations in the sports department, and a big chunk of my career is behind the scenes as a producer. And it wasn't like I was dying to be on TV. It was just really more of a creative aspect that that part of it kind of happened. But bottom line, it's just, always felt natural and you mentioned uh you grew up outside of philly so john h said dear Susie, who were your favorite athletes growing up doug collins from the 76ers Mm -hmm. i wore number 20 when i played and i probably had my (laughs) socks kind of messy and down like he did and i think what i admired most was how he moved away from the ball i was always really proud of that and and handling the ball being a guard so he was a favorite, and I felt so fortunate that that home Sixers games were 
Julius Irving and Lloyd Free and George McGinnis. And that was the home team. So I got to see that all the time. And then when I was a kid, the, the Philadelphia Phillies won a championship. Larry Boa was a big favorite of mine. I Same thing in, in youth sports. I played, you know, the infield. So I always admired him. I would say, it, you know, Bobby Clark, that goes kind of way, way back. But just, yeah. just some of them. And then one of the greatest connections for me, too, is Ron Jaworski, who is a favorite. Right. And then years later, I got to work with him on the Edge NFL matchup show, which was a thrill. Yeah, that must be one of the most exciting aspects of the job, I, I, I assume. Um, and so you mentioned uh, basketball a lot. Was that one of your was that your favorite sport or were you kind of even even balanced in your love for all the sports? I would say that I probably enjoyed all of them, that that each season, whether I was playing tennis or then went on to basketball, I ran track played, you know, like uh, Little League softball, that kind of thing. As each season ended, I was always anxious to get to the next thing because I really loved them all. But as a kid, if you had to ask me what was the favorite one, then it would be basketball. Right. And so, okay, so obviously a lot of these questions were about advice and advice about journalism and the field and kind of how to how to break through in that field. And there were a lot of women who were asking about that, obviously, because you become a, a real trailblazer for women in this field. And so Eliel asks, Dear Susie, what would be your advice for women interested in careers in sports media? Do you see the NFL being more accepting to diversity on the business and media side, or do you think it still needs a lot of progress? No, I would say more open. I mean, it's been a number of years now, and, and my sort of breaking into the business obviously goes back pretty far at this point. I'd say the key, and it was just as it was then, and I prided myself on it, is the same now, is versatility. Mm-hmm. Being able to do a number of different things. I prided myself on on my whole career started as a producer. So I knew how to do all the things behind the scenes before I was ever in front of the camera. So I think knowing knowing all of the different roles of something goes a long way and being a good writer goes a long way. I think there's so many great opportunities now that were never there on dot-coms, dot-coms for teams, for television networks. There's a lot of... It's a very competitive field, and while maybe sports departments are smaller now, I think just overall, though, there's a lot of great opportunity just because of of what digital has meant to the to the industry now. Right, and I'm curious of, of your own experience. I feel like I I get a lot of questions where people talk a lot about when they're trying to break in whether journalism school is something that's it's worth it or at least majoring in journalism. When when you were in school, did you go specifically to journalism school? Did you major in it? Uh, what was that path like for you? And was that broadcast journalism or, or writing or kind of did you mix them? Yeah, at the University of Miami, it was actually telecommunications, and you know, in a rare turn, I found a career in my exact field that's what I got a BA in in telecommunications and took performance classes and <laughs> in addition to writing and different things like that so I'd say I know it's probably rare you know to have like but I've always been a really good planner and, and kind of once I head in a direction know what I want so 
I was pretty specific in what I wanted, but but the biggest thing of all, especially in this industry, is hands-on and experience. And the the best thing I ever did was I started interning in the summer of my junior year of college, and I actually never stopped. I just kept on doing the internship, and that's <laughs> what led me to my first job right out of school. Right. And so you mentioned your planning abilities. And so that kind of leads into a couple of questions here about uh, your experience on doing Monday Night Football. And so uh, Terry T says, Dear Susie, what were the biggest challenges you had to face since becoming host of Monday Night Countdown? And then related to that, Joshua E says, what do you usually do to prepare for Monday Night Football? The prepare, the the preparation is is, um, very in-depth. And I've always prided myself on the preparation part of it. We have a fabulous editor who sort of does almost a a shorthand of everything you would need to know about both teams, individual players, statistics about the the teams and trends. And I sort of use that as as my jumping off point as a foundation. And then, you know, research in other ways but I use all of that as a basis for I build like really simple shortcut pages that I can use on the air quickly and and I also use them in our production meetings for Monday night football for the broadcast crew you do something called a production meeting with each team you go in on a Saturday to the home team spend the afternoon with them watch practice and then you sit in meetings with the head coach, the, the coordinators, and a handful of the star players. And you have you can you sit in a room and you ask them whatever you want to ask them, and, and that's sort of how I kind of build all my notes. And then we do the same thing for the visiting team on Sunday. So that's something that's exclusive to the broadcast team, but because I did the sidelines for so long, I'm kind of grandfathered into that as the host of the show, and we like to have a certain amount of synergy between the pregame show and the game. So I still go to all those meetings, which is unbelievable access. So Mm -hmm. most of the best information I get that I deliver on the air on Monday nights comes directly from the coaches and the players themselves. So right. it's up to me to decide what is what is not betraying a trust, what I can use, what insights, that kind of thing. And, for example, so we fly home on a Tuesday. Uh, we our production, Our production team for Monday Night Countdown watches the show, digests it. We have a big review call on Wednesday about how we did, things we can do better. And then we look ahead to the next week. That whole team gets working. My prep starts. I also do NFL Live on Fridays. After I get off the air for NFL Live, we have another big meeting, the producers and I, and research. We go through the rundown. Then again, do all the meetings with the teams over the weekend. I start writing, usually Sunday night. I write Monday morning right up until showtime. We have another big meeting with all the guys. Monday morning, then again before the show, and then we hit live air at six. Woo! Full days for sure. <laughs> but there's those are seem to be very for, useful you know, for a two-hour show, for a three-hour game. That that the process takes the full week. It is a full week job. Yeah. 
but then I mean and you can see how that would with the kind of the segments that you guys end up doing that that of course it would take that those kinds of hours of kind of preparation and, and meeting and getting the access that you guys do which I think makes that job so unique in terms of those production meetings um okay Susie I want to wrap up here with a question from Jeffrey A um Obviously, as we all know, or we've been seeing, ESPN declared December 4th Stuart Scott Day. And Jeffrey A. asks, Dear Susie, an everlasting sports memory I will have is one off the field when one of your colleagues and a close friend of yours passed, Stuart Scott. Your tribute on Monday Night Football prior to and Hannah Storm's breaking of his passing are moments I sometimes reminisce upon to get regrounded. How does his legacy, friendship, TV chops continue to impact your present day on or off the camera? Well, the show that I host now, Monday Night Countdown, was his favorite show. Mm-hmm. And when I was still working the sidelines, Stuart hosted on location for Monday Night Countdown. And and as he was fighting cancer, there were times where I filled in for him. And then in the final season before he passed, I, you know, we all, we were waiting for him to come back and he mm-hmm. didn't. But there wasn't a show that I didn't say I'm sitting in for Stuart Scott because it was always his seat. And I maybe have always felt that way. Take his spirit and his enthusiasm for the show, his love of the NFL, the way he approached things. I carry that with me all the time. And he also, he was just always, he had a great mix of of having fun and really living life and never forgetting that and that he was so good at his job but yet he didn't miss out on all the good life opportunities and he and I were really good friends and I always sort of look at that as Stuart would do that Stuart would go do that Stuart would you know like he would have fun with this and he would still go on the air and do his job and be great and I remind myself of that all the time of and especially on the air too of be yourself that yeah that's that's really how he made his name of even in the face of people questioning early on you know management things behind the scenes like maybe you should conform a little bit more. He had such conviction in, in how he wanted to do his job. He he never wavered. So I think that's that's something that always would stay with me. All right, Susie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for those memories of Stuart and for all of your advice uh, that I'm, all of our subscribers were asking about. And, um, you know, for me, it's a thrill to talk to you as a trailblazer in this industry. And uh, it's just really exciting to, to get to talk to you. So thank you so much for coming on. And um, we will be back next week with another episode of The Mailroom. Thanks, Susie. Thank you so much.